So um, here's a funny story about the cloud, right? You know, I used to be a musician and a producer. Uh, and I made records. I lived in America. Uh, in 1995, I got on the internet as a digital music entrepreneur. Uh, back then, it was something like the Internet Underground Music Archive. <laughs> it was very early. And in 1999, I remember a meeting that we had with all of the major record labels in America and San Francisco. And I said, music is going to move to the cloud. And this is the best thing that could possibly happen to music because it's a whole new way of doing things. Cheaper, faster, better for everybody. And the people in the audience, you know, the CEOs of record labels, and so they said, okay, we don't want this because we can't control it when it's in the cloud. Right? And here we are, 20 years later, Spotify is a huge success. Things are in the cloud. Right? The cloud is a winner pretty much all the way around. But there are some issues around the cloud. So I'm going to talk to you today about what that means, about you know, how technology is overlapping with humanity. My principle was really quite simple when it's about the future. I think we're going to get technology, we, we have technology, that will be almost unlimited in power and capabilities. You know, right now we're still fighting, you know, 5G and, and you know, having to have the cobalt for the batteries of the devices. But in 20 years, the world is unlimited, right? We can upload our brain, we can travel to other stars, we can use different energy. I mean, it's going to be a mind-boggling future. Uh, potential is great, we just have to make sure that we govern it correctly. I mean, in this COVID times, you can clearly see what already has happened. Uh, I think uh, Satya Nadea from Microsoft said, we've had more digital transformation in three months than the previous three years. <laughs> People are doing telemedicine now, right? they're, they're doing remote working, they're doing e-commerce, and it's exploding everywhere. Technology is hands down the winner, right? and it's an accelerator. Right, COVID has been accelerating all the things that were nascent before, and now, boom, they're here. Right? Uh, and that's not going to go away. And, and on that note, I want to say, you know, we're definitely not going back to normal. There's no such thing. The mindset has changed, the narrative has changed, the economy has changed. We're moving on to new normals. We better get used to this. I think it's very tough for us here in Switzerland to consider this, especially when it's about tourism and things like that, right? Um, I mean, we've seen changes in our lives across the board, work, shopping, learning. And again, here in Switzerland, we are still also uh, uh, in the traditional context of how we work and how we learn and so on. But in other countries, it's like warp drive to the future. And I mean, basically, for a lot of people, it's this, right? We call this, the economist, I think, uh, dubbed this term, the corona coaster. It's an emotional up and down. Like, you know, you sit down and you plan for next week, and then the week after that is different again. You can't go. You have to change all your plans. That's going to go on until the end of next year. Uh, we'll, we may get some security when we have a vaccine, but yeah, in that corona coaster, the coaster of emotions and, and failures and trials and so on, it's very important that we support each other. That's why I'm so happy we're doing this today, because we, we really need to stick together and collaborate to figure out what the next plausible steps would be. So in this world, you know, take the traditional world and then just imagine somebody came, comes along and shakes up the traditional world and the things that used to be on the bottom, right, they're going to the top and the top is now this, right? It's basically anything with healthcare, anything with technology, big state, right? The government, green energy, remote, everything. So our entire view of the world is changing. If you have kids or if you know kids, millennials, you know, 25, 30 years old, 
for them, this is a, as deep of a cut in their thinking as World War II was for my, my parents. Right? Hopefully a more positive one, but I mean, this is, this is a huge reset. And we're starting to see different behaviors, yeah? like working from home is a behavior that all of a sudden is possible. Right? Warp drive into the future. If you watch Star Trek, you know what warp drive is. You hit the button and boom, you're off into the future. Uh, the next 10 years will bring changes absolutely mind-boggling and some ways even hard to imagine. And uh, I call this the Great Transformation. The Great Transformation is uh, dubbed by the World Economic Forum as the Great Reset, same story really. All of a sudden it's like we're thinking about the world differently. And things become possible that were impossible before. And things that were a little bit around before are very big now, like working from home and doing this. Right? And this is going to be tough you know, for things like the cruise ship industry or the airline industry or any of those things that were definitely physical, like restaurants. But there is a way forward. Right? And I think really what we're seeing right now, it's quite clear our next 10 years will be signaled by four bigs. I call them the four bigs. Big tech big health, trillions of euros, dollars, shifting into healthcare, uh, shifting away from oil and gas or the military or any of those things towards healthcare environments, more research, more studies to be ready for other pandemics. That's clearly necessary. The vaccine, of course, big state. The asterisk says it's not always good to have a big state. Right? I think state is good, but you know, when it's too big, it's also not good. But this is what we have now. The state is telling us what we do when we come out, what we have to wear, where we can travel. And of course, the state is also dispensing money. So, I mean, Europe is a giant big state now. Right? And the next thing is big green. As we are now looking at this crisis, we're saying, you know what, if we have sacrificed so we can stay healthy and stay at home, right, or wear masks, do we have to do the same thing for climate change? Do we have to forego the car? Do we have to fly less? Do we have to pay a tax? I know these are crazy thoughts when you think about the current trouble of COVID, right? But this is only the first wave. In many ways, you could say that COVID-19 is a trial run for climate change. And there again, the good news is technology does have a lot of the answers. We just have to apply it correctly. But here's the thing, the world is upside down in a way. Like, you know, I used to travel a hundred times a year, a million miles in 2018. And this year, I haven't flown only twice. <laughs> you know, the normal is over. There's no such thing as, as, as going back to normal, as much as we would like it. I would like it. Get back on the plane. <laughs> there is no such thing. We, have to, we live in the world of constant VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, uncertainty, ambiguity. Right? And this is something we have to get our mind around this. And this is very disconcerting for many people, especially when you're not 25. <laughs> You know, this, this world is different. So let's think about what that means. And this is a great photo series from CNN about the new normal. Right? This is how we eat. This is how we do yoga. Well, you do yoga. This is how you go to the movie theater. Uh, this is how you hug each other safely. Uh, this is how people behave in elevators. And this is what we do, working from home. And here's the European Union giving out stimulus packages. Right? And, and reorganizing how the world works, essentially, financially. Right? And here's helicopter money from the state coming down to many of us, companies and people alike. Helicopter money, newfound money. So I always say that, you know, that's 2030. 
we got to think about what that means. And I think the future is better than we think. I think that as we're looking at the future, we're, we're forgetting how many things we have already achieved, like the decline of poverty right? or longevity. We're all getting to live longer and longer and longer, except for Americans. I think that's one exception for the time being, but it used to be the same. So in this future, right, here's one thing that a famous futurist and, and uh, a person that I've sort of taken as a mentor in the past has said, Buckminster Fully, nicknamed Bucky, right, is the most famous futurist. He was a designer. And he said, 1983, technologically, humanity has the opportunity to operate the planet in such a manner to support and accommodate all humanity at a substantially higher level of standard. That was 1983. And this is finally true. Technology will give us those tools. We have to make sure they're used wisely, they're distributed wisely. We have to make sure that we're thinking of people beyond our sphere, like, for example, with the vaccine, the price for the vaccine. We have all the tools, tech, we need, but will we have the will? And this is nowhere more important than in the area of technology, particularly cloud and security. Because security isn't just a technical issue. Right? Will we have the will to distribute security, so to speak, to everybody? Will we have a really clean way of digital identity that's not just stuck with one company? Will we have a global standard for keeping our DNA in the cloud? Right? So what's the will? Well, it's about wisdom, it's about courage, it's about understanding. We're going to need some pretty wise leadership in companies, and I think this is a great uh, opportunity for thought leadership in companies, but also with governments. I think that every public official, every president, and every mayor of every city needs to take a driver's test for the future, needs to understand the future. Because, you know, the future is here. I think William Gibson said the future is here, already here, is just unevenly distributed. It's there. Right? The future is not tomorrow. I mean, if you haven't realized, the future is arriving, like, you know, uh, gradually, then suddenly is exploding around us. Right? The future is a mindset now. And here's the key question. How do we make sure that the human stays on top of things, in the loop? Of course, we've seen all the science fiction films or so, like Black Mirror. I think we're nowhere close to that yet. We have 20 years to figure this out until the so-called singularity. <laughs> but this is important. Right? And this is even more important in your term of cloud and security because how do we keep the human in the loop? Are we slower if we keep the human in the loop? Does the machine make their own decisions? As you can see with artificial intelligence, we are not quite at that point where we can go that far because AI doesn't know the objectives. You know? It just knows the mission. And so if you tell an AI, Stuart Russell tells the story all the time from UC Berkeley, you tell an AI to go fetch coffee, if it's an absolute demand, it would do anything to get you the coffee, literally anything, including destruction and whatever it takes. Right? But if it understands it's a relative command, like a human would, the response is different. You should read his latest book, you know, Russell, uh, Stuart Russell, UC Berkeley, I think it's called a human, um, human Compatible. Great book. So... As we go warp drive in the future, here's a couple of things that we have to keep in mind. Right? I mean, the exponential scale has been explained, I think, to you many, many more times before. But the bottom line is we are not at the beginning of the exponential scale. Right? We are at four, the black dot here, and we're moving very quickly, four, eight, 16, 30 times up the scale is one billion. Right? So imagine this, if it goes on like it does, 
in 50 years, our world could be potentially one billion times as far along as different. The kids of my kids will live in a world that is hard to imagine. My own kids will live in a world like this, right? Eight billion people connected online at 10G. That's a joke, but, you know, could happen. Mobile devices that have six months of battery and your Tesla or Chevy Volt or whatever Audi, BMW you're going to have at that point will go two or 3,000 kilometers in one filling. And maybe in 20 years, it will go once the entire lifetime with one filling. So <laughs> we're talking about a future that is so vastly different based on these three principles. This is a slide you should print out afterwards, right? The future is not just exponential. It is also convergent. So industries are converging. Right? Everything is becoming technology now. Right? So the pharma companies becoming technology. Entertainment becoming technology. Right? Even travel very soon. We can go into a hologram and Swiss Air will sell me a ticket for the holograph machine to go to Beijing. So they'll be in the tech business. And it's combinatorial. So the great thing about technology is that it's combining all these powers and ideas into new products. Well, like Dropbox and like Salesforce and like Airbnb, even though that is kind of a dream of the past, maybe. <laughs> but very important. These are the principles of technology that we have to understand, right? Really, by 2030, this is the scenario. I call this jokingly the smart converter. We have so many unsmart businesses right now. Government is not in Switzerland necessarily, but globally far behind. Uh, agriculture, farming. This is all becoming smart now. So I jokingly call this a smart converter. You stick the old business in and boom, out comes the smart business. That is, according to, I think, research by McKinsey, a $20 trillion business, converting that. But, you know, smart is not always safe. So this is the other thing that's happening. The, the more connected we get, the more security becomes an issue. Right? And uh, cloud and smart and remote, everything creates a different world. That's also a cultural challenge for us and to see how we can prevail in this world. This chart here, I think, is the cornerstone of this thinking. We have 20 years, uh, well, 2050 would be 30 years, right? But let's be optimistic, maybe go quicker. Ray Kurzweil says 2050, we'll have computers that have the capacity of humans. And I think that has to do with logical capacity and, and processing, not emotional intelligence or musical intelligence, I don't think. But I think that's quite true at that point. Machines can do many things that we are currently doing. And that's going to happen even quicker when it's about routine work, like adding, finding stuff, organizing things. I mean, we have every day another invention that you can automate something or the other. It sounds like a scary proposition, but it's not. I don't think machines will ever be intelligent like a human. Uh, intelligent in the sense of, you know, you could clearly say, okay, yeah, that's interesting, but humans are, are intelligent on... 12 different levels. I mean, emotional intelligence is not something that computers are known for. Uh, in fact, Morovich, the famous researcher, says whatever is hard for a computer is simple for uh, a human and vice versa. That's going to remain true. I think that's the cornerstone of our future, really. So as we go into this future, here are what I call the game changes. You've seen this before, so I won't go into great detail here, but uh, there's 10 of them, and they are probably your daily business because you're in the tech business. Uh, and the cloud and security business. So data, right? This is this data is the new oil, but it's also kind of the new plutonium. Now it's like it can be used as a weapon. Look at Facebook using it as a weapon, right? The cloud is everywhere. The Internet of Things, the Internet of Everywhere, everything. Quantum computing, that is around the corner. Voice interfaces speaking to machines. 
intelligent smart devices. I'll talk more about that later. The blockchain, which has been a great hype about this, but is, it is a cornerstone as well. 3D printing, nanotechnology, new material science, virtual reality, and lastly, genetic engineering. I know it will make your head spin to think about all this at once, right? But here's one tip I have for your own career, right? If you want to know where things are going, you should spend an hour a day on looking what's not already here. Because that will get you ready because it's going to happen much quicker than we thought, right? Uh, as the saying goes, uh, there are 10 game changes. Oh, as the song goes, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm not going to sing it for you. No, you probably know it, but I don't want to shut down this, this call here. But uh, yeah, 10 years, yeah, we're going to live in an entirely different world based on all these things. And this is what's happening. We are essentially cruising down this road of the game changes. Every day there's something else that comes up. And some of it is very exciting, like virtual reality or you know, virtual calls and virtual education. Other things are more scary, like you know, 3D printing, what's going to happen with uh, factories and transportation and container ships and supply chain and all these things. But the reality is you know, we're now actually going into a high speed on this. Yeah? And we're going faster and faster and faster, and we're sometimes not ready. Like we're scared, we're worried, you know, we're worried about our jobs and our governments are not quite there yet. We will see more change in our world in the next 10 years than the previous 100 years. That's not a threat, that's a promise. <laughs> uh, I think that's good because we need to change some things, you know, like energy, uh, like ending the oil economy, the fossil fuel economy, like tackling inequality. But one of the key challenges is, of course, of technology is that technology does not fix social or cultural or political human problems. It makes them worse. You know, on social media, we have more rumors, more fake stuff, more, and more stuff that's just completely off left field, more manipulation than even the regular media. <laughs> so we need to keep a good eye on this. If we want technology to be used correctly, we have to provide a framework. You know, nuclear weapons, nuclear energy, we had two bombs. We decided we don't want 20,000 more bombs. We have a moratorium the nuclear non-proliferation treaties. We're going to need various similar things for other technology like AI. Because here's one of the key questions. How are humans and machines going to relate? And if you're my age, you know, I'm going to be 60 next year, uh, you're thinking, okay, you know, do I have to rethink and relearn everything uh, for this age of automation? You know, automation is clearly a much bigger driver of change than globalization. And here's a great example of this company that's actually, I think, owned by Roche now, uh, Genentech. They have a, uh, um, a, a facility that does complete scan of your entire DNA, your biome, your physical scans, your, what's called the phenotype. For $11,000, you can get yourself a complete readout as to what is likely to happen to you. Uh, and this is going to be completely normal, the convergence of technology and biology. I mean, here in Switzerland, we have lots of pharma companies. The future of pharma is technology, cloud biology, AI-invented medications. We can see this already, what's happening with the vaccine. It will take more time, but we're going to have a vaccine much, much, much faster than at any other point in history. And that has to do with all the things that we can do with data, of course, not just with more researchers. And I, I'm very hopeful this will actually ha happen by the end of next year. I think we're looking at realistically the end of 21 for that to make major impact on our economies. But regardless, what's happening now is that humans and technology are, are increasingly overlapping. You know, when I use my mobile phone, it's, yeah, 
it's outside of me. But when I use it on here, right, or when I use it to control things, like I will show you shortly, yeah, I'm, I'm overlapping with technology. And the other thing is that technology is now uh, in everybody's business. Right? I mean, there isn't a single business that's not touched by technology. That's why the stock has been going up like crazy. Not this week, but a couple of weeks before. Right? Everything is kind of becoming technology. And everything is becoming cloud. So you're lucky you're in a good business with security because that's going to be everybody's business and everybody's concern in the very near future. Uh, Apple Watch 6 that just came out, right? The healthcare business becoming technology. I mean, who's not going to have a device like this, whether it's Apple or, you know, Tissot, for that matter, assisting you with healthcare? This is going to be normal. And it will cut down the doctor's visits by 90%. Not now, but eventually. I mean, well, this is a fundamental change using our data uh, as humans. Uh, just as an example of how all that is becoming kind of like Spotify, you know, we're like humanify in the cloud. Right? Uh, all that stuff's moving into the cloud. And so the real issue about all of this is, yeah, it's going to be about user safety, security, privacy, protection, trust. Right? Because I think Mark Benio from Salesforce said it once, transparency, relationships, and trust. I mean, this is really all what it comes down to when it's about the cloud, right? And that is going to be quite a way for us to go. Right now, we have lots of technical solutions, but are we building trust? Is there an objective entity? Are we going to end up with a sort of Facebook of healthcare? God forbid. You know, that would be another angle. As you can see, I'm not much of a Facebook lover, but uh, I'll spare you on the rest. So here's my good buddy, uh, Elon Musk. He shows up everywhere these days. He has a new invention called the Neuralink. And the Neuralink is essentially a chip that is put into your brain, tiny holes drilled into it that can connect and potentially get a, a quadriplegic to walk again, translate your signals, your, your electronic signals uh, to control your body. But of course, ultimately, he says, can also be used to download your mind. Well, yeah, okay, let's have a look at what he's no, doing here. You can see this on YouTube, of course, just put a Neuralink. <laughs> you know, he showed the demo not with humans, Elon thankfully, Musk but with pigs. One day cure um, and the pigs became really humans. smart because they were able to share their His signals project, with the Neuralink implants. Right? I mean, this is happening all around us now. Yeah, I think it's science fiction to think of that for humans. That is science fiction. Um, but, you know, I, it, it'll but be something I think that we're going to investigate. And what's right next to it is what Facebook is doing. Uh, with their infinite office, you know, same idea. I'll, I'll show that concept in a little while, but basically, this is what's happening, right? We're becoming in this natural evolution. Uh, we're going to the next step. Right? Marshall McLuhan, one of the wisest people ever lived, uh, futurist, meo, media uh, theo, theorist, he said, uh, well, you know, he's, he's saying uh, the medium is the message, right? Long time ago. He says, we shape our tools, and thereafter they shape us. And this is something we should keep an eye on. Now, we're going to be changed by this, and maybe there are some changes that we don't want, because, he also said, all extensions of man, woman, are also amputations. They take things away. And so it's about that balance. Right? Uh, it's just that the cloud has the same issues. You know, We can have infinite power, but how much freedom or security do we have? And it has to be balanced by a societal process. That brings me to digital ethics. Uh, you know, my previous book, Technology versus Humanity, uh, was mostly about this topic. Four years ago, I started the discussion about the ethics of technology and the, the values of technology. 
and here's the Facebook video that brought it home again. This is from just a few days ago. It's a product called Infinite Office now that Facebook is rolling out on Oculus Rift. So you can work remotely without having to go to all the Zoom stuff. <laughs> and you can immerse yourself in work. And to that I would say, well, that's pretty impressive. You know, I don't know if it's heaven or hell. And certainly I wouldn't know, you know if I wear this thing all day long to do business. You know, would, would in the evening, would the conversation with my wife and my kids would be utterly boring. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is, uh, yeah, straight from Blade Runner in a way, you could say, uh, about the capabilities. And this is something that we have to really keep an eye on. Eh? Too much of a good thing can be or is a very bad thing. I think whether it's about coffee or cake or alcohol or cigarettes or whatever you're doing in terms of pleasure, right? Too much of that is probably a bad thing. We can also be digitally obese. You know, we can get fat from information. You know, 40% of uh, Americans are overweight. And how many people are digitally overweight? Uh, this is, could really weigh us down. So that's something to think about. Right? Uh, we may be on the way to what some people have called the solarity. We don't even have to get up. We just put our visors on and we can live in cyberspace. That doesn't strike me as a very good future. It may be convenient, and it may make lots of money, but is it human? And the same goes for the question, for example, of face recognition. You know, you heard the other day that IBM is uh, stepping out of the face recognition era because or product selling because of ethical concerns. And I think this is a really, really interesting fact. It can be used for lots of great things, very simple things, and you know, not rocket science. It can be used for all those things. But I think the other thing is that, you know, if we want 100% security, we'll have 0% freedom and vice versa. So I like to morph what, I, what Einstein has said a long time ago. Uh, I'm morphing it into security. So I'm saying everything should be as secure and connected and automated and all of those things as necessary, but not more. We need to keep something here that is not automated because we are not, right? We are not connected and you know again Facebook is one of those things that has made the great example of this by essentially eliminating privacy. Uh, it's one of those examples where we say well, security is not just a technical issue. Right? It's a societal issue, a political issue, policy issue. And I think everybody in the security turf has to deal with this. Uh, with the constant, you know, whatever we're inventing here has societal political consequences. I think in 2030, this is my hope, we're not going to have data mining like we have today, which is basically what all internet companies do one way or the other, except for maybe Apple. But this is the business model behind social media. Right? Data mining, attention mining, the platform economy, right? and of course it's uh, the surveillance economy. Right? I think we're going to see data mining with a Y, not data mining. That's going to be a huge business. We're going to pay to be more private. Uh, we're going to pay not to be the content like, as we are on social media but to be the user. And I think that that model is proving itself and there's lots and lots of new revenues here. And so to my good friend uh, Zuck, you know, let's get with the program here. Uh, I think Facebook does not have much of a runway left to address this problem. So let's talk about the paradigm shifts of the future and then I have a short wrap up. Basically what we're seeing here is deep and global paradigm shifts. Right? I mean, this world is becoming dramatically different and there's four waves. And the first one is COVID, and we're dealing with that now. The recession that's caused by COVID, 
the climate change factors that are already here looping large, and then finally the convergence of humans and machines. These are the four waves of challenges. But I also look at them and say, this is also an opportunity. Think about all the amazing stuff that we can do here. The World Economic Forum has said 390 million new jobs can be generated from prioritizing nature, right? climate change. And of course, technology is already a winner. You know, Amazon keeps automating all the warehouses, but last year it hired more people than ever before. It's not like we're just going to have technology and no people. Right? So, also this is quite clear. You may have seen this video at, uh, weeks ago that uh, this is San Francisco sitting in the smog that is the fallout from the California fires. Yeah, apocalyptical. I have friends who live there. I used to live there, and this has never happened before. And it's clearly so that COVID is a test run for climate change. We must be prepared. We must prepare. We must put money in. And again, technology holds the key for solving this. We just have to put the money in. You know, we just have to do, get our priorities straight. And in this world, chat, don't ask this question, what will the future bring? Because the future is not fixed. People ask me this all the time with my job. You know, I'm not going to tell you the future and predict the future. Here's the real question you should be asking, especially if you're in the tech business, right? What kind of future do we want? It, we could have any future. You want to upload your brain? Eventually, Elon will get his wish, and we can, we can do that, and we can virtualize ourselves. Do we want that? What kind of future do you want your kids to have? And this is a future that goes beyond, of course, monetary issues in business. Uh, this is a future that's about us. I think that in many ways, our future used to be sort of impacted by things that seem unthinkable, like the carbon tax. You know? We have carbon taxes now, but in the future, we're going to see carbon taxes on cars, any cars are not electric, on flying, mandatory, probably the same as a ticket, on eating meat. So, yeah, think about this. I mean, you thought about all these things being unthinkable before, like wearing a mask when you go out or staying at home or doing it. But that's the new normal. Those are the shifts that we're going to see. So let me finalize, and then well, hopefully we'll take some questions, okay? So as we look at the future, exponential technology has a tremendous benefits and tremendous risks. On this matrix here from the World Economic Forum, you can see clearly what's happening here. It's like the leading drivers of change up on the top right, Right, as a good quadrant should be, genetic engineering, changing our DNA, and technology, right? intelligent machines, data. Right? Clearly, this is something that we have to think about. It can be both very beneficial or not. Right? So here's my mantra on this. The most promising future is not one where we postpone innovation and we have all the fears and worries. That is not a good idea and stop sciences and regulate too much technology. But we should also not dismiss the exponential risk and say, okay, somebody else will take care of it. If you run things in the cloud, if you do these things, you are responsible for what you're running, just like social media is responsible for manipulation and election control. And that is the bottom line of technology, that we have to find that balance. And we have to make ethical decisions. You know, the, this brain here, right? This, this, sorry, there it is. This, um, getting the mirror function here, right? This electronic brain does not make judgments on our values and emotions. It doesn't care what you believe or think or what you haven't said. You know, humans are basically most powerful when they don't speak, but they signal each other without speaking. Implicit 
not explicit. This is what we do as humans. Right? This is what we are great at, and this is what our kids need to learn. Right? Curiosity, foresight, critical thinking. If your kids are going to be engineers, that's fantastic. Science, technology, engineering, that's great, especially for the next five to ten years. But eventually, machines will program themselves. Eventually, our kids are going to ask us, well, what do I do in the future? Well, it's about being more human. Our ultimate job is to be human, is to do what machines can't do. Purpose, passion. I mean, have you ever seen a passionate machine? Maybe we'll get one that can sort of simulate this. Right? I'm not going to dive further, right? But imagination, critical thinking, this is our future. Right? Existence, sentience, you know, actually being there, which machines don't have and sapiens, which is wisdom, and seeing things. Humans on top of machines. And this is what the cloud needs to give us. This is what security needs to give us. Not humans under the cloud of security. Not the panopticon, but an enablement for us. So, go back to what I said earlier. The future is better than we think, because now in the COVID crisis, this is what we've learned, right? Collaboration is important, solidarity is important. Look at the European Commission stimulus package, unknown, unheard of solidarity. Paradigm changes, increased readiness to do what it takes. These are all good things that are happening to us right now. We are rethinking and we are resetting and this gives me great hope for the future. Finally, going back to what I said earlier, we need to shape the future or we're going to be shaped by it, by somebody else shaping it. So thanks very much for your time. I'm going to take some questions now and we're going to distribute the slides, parenthesis, and, and of course the video, I think as part of the package later on. Thanks very much.